and welcome to Brother Cousins Podcast. My name is Jared Wells and I'll be your host this week. I have a couple of brothers in Christ joining me this week. I have Jackson Lindgren. Oh, hi. <laughs> and Mitch Price. Hello. These are a couple of the guys that I mentioned in our last roundtable episode and I, I could have brought several more, but for the sake of time and trying to fit too many people around my microphone, I've just included these two that have gone on the journey of exploring the ideas of the biblical family, the family of Christ specifically, how we're to be joined together in those ideas of Philadelphia that we talked about in my last single episode. So I brought these guys in. We're just going to have some conversation back and forth, discuss some of the things that we have seen. I will give some insight to where I was back beginning 2019, it was right before Rachel and I moved here. We were at a little congregation. We didn't have a lot of contacts. We just stayed really busy all the time. When we moved, we immediately got connected with a group of people who were doing some Bible studies, doing things together, really trying to make an effort to be together. And then the pandemic hit and lockdowns hit and isolation hit. And it occurred to me at that time how much I needed the body of Christ, how much we had grown as a family, Rachel and I together, by growing closer to these other families in Christ. And, and these two guys that are here with me this week were part of that process and, and helped we helped each other get through some of the more difficult times of the pandemic, at least on that level. Um, when churches weren't meeting and, and people weren't meeting in their homes, we did what we could for one another and have tried to carry that forward. So at this point, I'm going to open it up. Either one of you guys have something right off the bat you want to talk about concerning this. I'll chime in. <clears throat> one of the ideas that we, as a group, really quickly bought into was the idea of, Jared came up with the term and I posed it to him months back, it was a sharpening session and it was just guys getting together to talk about the word organically. It wasn't a structured study or anything like that. It was just a an opportunity for us to get together in the middle of the night or, you know, 9, 9 p.m., 8.30 p.m. after everything's kind of settling down for us to talk about thoughts that we have on our mind about the Word of God. And that, to me, was a big catalyst in getting a lot of other guys to buy into this idea of closer-knit family fellowship in the body um, because it wasn't it wasn't an instance of us throwing a, an anchor behind us and seeing who we could drag along with us it was more like an instance of opening up our arms and seeing how many people we could fit and the truth is the arms go on forever we can fit as many people as we want to and it's been amazing to see just how big that group has grown I mean me and Mitch are just a small small sample of that culture shift that we're starting to see in the body here locally yeah, I think we started with four of us in the last session. I don't know that we even had everybody there, and we were nine? We were nine or ten, and the truth is that once Mitch was thrown into the mix at the second one, I honestly thought, oh, man, how's this going to work out? Because he's kind of a, uh incendiary personality from time to time. <laughs> I, I'm, but I'm, man, but, I'm explosive then, is what you're trying to say. <laughs> but, but, but the truth is, is that we needed that incendiary personality, and that was the first, because, because that session was a session where his personality cut through the awkwardness of trying to achieve what the group was going for, and that yeah. was the closer-knit 
family experience we were going for. And that was the first example to me of just how beneficial it is to step outside the comfort zone of who you're used to having in your circle. So we've had him and there's several other people that I can name by name that the people in the world may not recognize, but y'all know who I'm talking about. Yeah. That, and for a lesson for other people to hear is that it's not just your close it's it's not just the people that you're used to being around that need to go with you on the journey of developing that closer knit family in Christ it's it's everybody and and there's always that thought in your mind of well as soon as i include this person they don't already buy into the idea so they're just going to mess up the dynamic when the truth is, is that the moment they're in you're going to find out they've been wanting that just as bad as you have yeah um talking about sharpening sessions you know what we call our little get togethers that uh, we're really sacrificing a lot by doing that. These things are taking place on weekdays, late at night. I mean, a lot of the guys, the last guys don't even show up till 9.30, sometimes 10. And, and then the last guys to leave, uh, I think, 3 in the morning uh, the last time. And these, these are guys that are just hungry for, uh, for just for spiritual conversation that we're willing to put the kids to bed on a weeknight and, and get together to, to try to accomplish that. Yeah, when I told Rachel we had the last one, the last thing she told me going out the door was, come home before 3. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, you, you made one thirty, I think. <laughs> I did. And the, and the beautiful thing about that is the last time we had it was at my house, and I was totally comfortable with saying to the last three guys, shut off the lamps and lock the door. Well, and I went yeah. to bed. And then we had an argument as to which lamps we were supposed to shut off. <laughs> well, I don't want to wake them up now. <laughs> because truly, truly, there was one lamp that should have been left on, and they were all off by the time that we... No, no, one lamp was left on that was... No offense, but even if you don't know lamp culture, you should know that that wasn't the one that was supposed to be left well, on. Well, I could have unscrewed the light bulb out of it, too. <laughs> you could have done that, too. Mitch has been known to come to my house and unscrew light bulbs in the worst possible <laughs> places to do it, just because he doesn't like the lighting. Oh, man. But it's been a it's been an amazing blessing, because it's... It, I don't know if y'all agree with this, but it, is it not giving you a glimpse into what the guys of old used to do? Yes. Getting together and talking. And it seems to me like we're getting away. We're slowly starting to pull away from this individualistic, entertainment-driven, to-myself culture where yes. our, I'm wanting to stay up till 3 a.m., till 1.30 a.m., one night a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that was something that I mentioned at the last get-together. You know, in times past where, where traditionally the kids would follow in their father's footsteps, uh, the family business, you know, before the times of uh, more governmentally managed schooling, you know, families spent a lot more time together. And uh, whereas now we're trying to figure out how to juggle family time and, and spiritual time, church-related <clears throat> activities, a personal time, and work, uh, we're having a hard time accomplishing that uh, uh, when when really all of those things ideally could take place at the same time. You know, yep. in 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 the majority of, of history, you know, you your son was with you, your children were with you at work. You were teaching them how to work. You were actually accomplishing work, and you were teaching them biblical principle along the way, uh, and, and not just with family, but with uh, with with close friends and, and brothers in the church uh, mm -hmm. is uh, something that I feel like we, we miss out on in this day and age where we're, we're separated 
for every we're separated to learn we're separated to work and then we try to get together at the end of the day and, and cram family time together right and that's where this concept kind of went during our last sharpening session was broadening those arms like jackson talked about from the get-go there's room for more love can't be filled up we've talked about that concept and jeffrey and i have both covered it in our talks about love c.s lewis has a writing where he talks about the inner circle and it's by definition exclusive and it's it's really almost by definition anti-christian because the christian stands with his arms open and those who want to be like christ are going to come to that circle and be a part and when we started the sharpening sessions, one thing Jackson and I talked about right off the bat, and I don't think we knew how quickly it would grow, was a vision we had and that we would invite people to be a part of that. And eventually it might get big enough to where we go ahead and set a scheduled time every other week or something that we're going to do that. The people that can make it great, those that can't make it because of work schedules or family schedules or something like that would be okay. We'll catch them on the next one. And have that inner working like a family to where, hey, I'm not going to be able to make this event, but I'll make the next and so forth. And I think it's kind of moving that direction, like I said, a lot quicker than I thought. Um, Building on that idea, the reason I grabbed these two guys specifically is they don't have a lot of earthly family that's in the church. They have made an identity and a family in the church specifically, and... It has been a blessing for me to watch that and watch them and understand my perspective and how it needed to change as I matured and developed in this thought process, that I needed to be more extending to these people, to really be a brother to them, not just use that familial language where we say brother, but I have my actual brother and then my, my brother in Christ, but should really look at that like that's my actual brother, my actual sister. Um, let either one of you guys take off on that thought process and, and how maybe your perspectives have changed over the years and how you've seen it's blessed your family. So initially I was thinking about a particular brother that I sit across from quite a bit in the building where we have our assemblies and I got to thinking, you know, we're kind of just cubicle mates, if I'm really being honest. I'd like to call him my brother. I'd like to call him, you know, my fellow soldier. But at the end of the day, he, you know, just cubicle buddies, really. And that's what really got me convicted on this on this line of thinking of, I started off in, in the church with, this is my family. This is all I have because the people that were outside of it, that were my blood family, there was, there was, it was getting to the point where, we weren't speaking anymore. So this was, this was my safety net. This was my anchor in the storm. It was all I had. And I think that's what got me to always desiring to be closer to all of them because I had nothing else. I had nothing else to to fall back on. And the the thought occurred to me one day, I, I don't want to get to my deathbed and say that I barely know this person that I share the blood of Christ with. And I got to thinking about all the excuses that I've offered up as to why I don't know that person better, why they're not closer to me. And I got to thinking, I have plenty of room because there's obviously no blood family that stands in the way of me and them. 
So there's there's obviously no excuse there. And this is the verse that you and I, uh, me and Jared, talk about quite a bit. And it's kind of become almost a flagship verse of the mindset of our group. And it's 2 Corinthians twelve fifteen. I will very gladly spend and be spent. It's this concept of you have a you have an everlasting cup to pour from. So pour from it and be spent and give of your time and use that mindset in growing closer to your brothers and sisters. The great thing about that verse, it's kind of the Swiss army knife of verses in terms of a mindset that you can have towards towards people. Because you can apply that to anything. You can apply that to evangelistic work. You can apply that to Bible studies, to giving, but it can certainly be applied in this. So that's. I'll turn it over to Mitch. I'll quit rambling. Oh, no, I'm, I'm the one that's going to be the rambler if there's anybody here. Uh, <laughs> me and Jackson both come from very similar backgrounds, uh, uh, broken families, plain and simply put. And uh, it's, been, it's been a real learning experience for me uh, uh, comparing how similar our backgrounds were but how differently we responded to it. Uh, Jackson has become kind of a charismatic, uh, happy person, willing and, and, and sees the need to include himself in the church a lot quicker than I did. Um, uh, I was baptized as a into the body as a young adult. Uh, I already has, had uh, been married a couple of years, and uh, it was really difficult for me to include myself uh, uh, in, in the in the family of Christ, I had come to realization a little bit before that and during that in the first couple of years that I, the uh, the family that I had, uh, those relationships were being, uh, were not going to continue. Uh, they're just the, the lives that we are taught to live uh, according to scriptures that just were not meshing, uh, a lot of fighting going on and, and just couldn't see eye to eye with, with uh, with people in my personal family and and that left a real hole that I didn't realize for a long time a conversation with uh, Jared one time he I can't remember exactly how he said it or what he used but it was basically accused me of just being uh, just having a tenacity and that was the only reason that I had made it through those first couple years um, in the body and and because I was not getting what I needed and and that uh, not to blame anybody, because I'm certainly uh, 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 not an easy guy. I don't look like that friendly of a guy. Uh, uh, even among my close friends, they're like, man, what are you mad about? Well, it's just, just, just my face. <laughs> Sorry, I'll work on it. I'll try to get better. Uh, but it, it, rambling, talking about rambling again, um, it really took me a long time to accept uh relationships with uh with my brothers in christ and and it really recently in the last couple of years has showed me what i've been missing how much i needed and and now i've kind of got a, a tunnel vision that's kind of where my heart is right now to uh to, to help life uh long church members to understand how much an adult being brought into the church is giving up uh so often um i haven't i have three family members, three blood relatives right now that I can associate with. All the rest of those uh, uh, relationships are at, at currently, uh, they're just not there. It's, it's what I've had to give up in order to, in order to follow Christ. And 
that was one thing Mitch and I had talked about previously in a private conversation that really opened my eyes to what I needed to be for the church. Growing up where I did, you know, Christopher and Jeffrey and I have all talked about that we grew up in the church there in Stratford. We had not just a church family, but we had family in the church. We were all very close, and there were a couple of close families there in Stratford. I'm kind of an introvertish person person anyway, and so I really use that as a smokescreen to say I have all the family that I need. I don't need any more family. And I was short-sighted in my thought process. I didn't realize the relationship that was there to be had in Christ and, and how sharing the word, sharing his blood, sharing a, a desire and a goal to be more conformed to Christ more every day, how much deeper that could be sharing that with the family of Christ. Whether I had family somewhere or not, where we're at now in Plainview, there's a large contingency of family. And I'll tell you, I look at Rachel's family like my family very much so. I'm blessed in that I have really close in-laws. But accepting these other guys as brothers, truly brothers, um, I think by and large our houses are open to one another anytime. Um, We generally can send a text out and say, hey, can you talk? Or pick up the phone and say, hey, can you talk? And if, if it's at all possible, we're going to make that happen. Um, whereas my tendency before would have been, eh, I really don't have time right now. It's not convenient right now. Call me back later. And I may or may not make that phone call again later, um, just in my nature in general. Um, but how much of a blessing to have the tenacity that Mitch had to see what he needed in the family of Christ to reach out to some brothers and and establish that on a small scale. And now it's growing where our desire is to reach above and behind us in age-wise and and draw more of these people in where we have an entire family of God that's interwoven into these other families. Yeah, I think think it's clear in Scripture uh, how... Well, we have all the verses that talk about being reborn, about being a newborn babe, you know, desiring the milk of the word. Uh, Just the emphasis that's put on a new Christian being an infant. And uh, something that I've uh, I've noticed is that's really difficult for us to apply in real life, especially when you look at somebody like me. I'm an adult when I became a Christian. I'm grouchy looking. I'm bald with a beard. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a lovable infant. He's the physical embodiment of a cactus. <laughs> well, tell me how you really feel, Jackson. <laughs> I am an uh, open book, my friend. And sorry, my brother. <laughs> there you go. And uh, and that's something that I've really been a kick been on uh, been on a kick lately about is is. Uh, actually building a, a lesson uh, about it is how we need to look at, at new members of the congregation as actual infants and and treat them as such, you know, get, supply every need that they need in infancy with the goal of getting them out of infancy and helping them grow. Uh, and and some babies are, are easier than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can, you know, I've got three children. 
so you know only half of what uh, Jared has, but uh, it's given. You know, some babies are really easy to love, and some are, are they require a lot of patience. I, 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 a picture comes to my head of of a mother with bloodshot eyes. It's just so frustrated. She can't get her baby to sleep. Can't get her baby to eat. You know, something that she's just at her wits end about. And uh, sometimes new Christians in the body are going to do that to us. We're going to have bloodshot eyes. We're going to be frustrated. We're going to be like, I've tried to help this person, uh, but we should make sure that we don't give up. We don't look at them as an adult, but still treat them uh, as an infant and try our best to supply those needs to help them get out of infancy, uh, even when it's difficult. Do you have another thought, Jackson? I did. As you're, you opened up the door to C.S. Lewis references, so <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and just keep going on that. But you talk about how there was something to be had there that you didn't see before the full value of the relationship that's a deeper relationship with those in the body. And that's to just lay it out what we're trying to get at here if, if it's if it's unclear at all it's it's this idea of a deeper less superficial relationship with people in the body you know you can go your whole life being in the same building with other people for an extended period of time several times a week and we know we're talking about a corporate worship situation here um, you can do that for years and years and years on end and like I said you can get to the end of your life and on your deathbed think about a person that you've sat across from and sung praises prayed, prayed prayers with listened to sermons with and think I'm no closer to them now than I was 40 years ago and that's a tragedy and so we're going for that deeper relationship with people and I got to thinking about all the struggles that we have as whether we're introverts or whether we're extroverts who have a little bit of introverted tendencies to be homebodies we make up these excuses of, I'm going to stay home, and I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going to leave those relationships at the door, and it's a process to learn to love that relationship. It's a process to learn to love those interactions, and I believe our group right now is at a place where we are learning that there is a gold mine of relationship fuel, if I can call it that, in that instance, and, it, and to me... It comes down to 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. I said in a lesson not too long ago, maybe we're a little bit more natural than we'd like to admit. Maybe we've yeah. allowed a little bit more of the world to creep in, and we've become that person that would rather watch Monday morning football or whatever than have a sharpening session. I don't even know if football's <laughs> on a Monday morning. I didn't even know it was the World Series, but y'all get what I'm trying to get at here. Well, and, and the process uh, of, of really overcoming... Sorry, i got to cut you off. By the way, the C.S. Lewis reference is from The Weight of Glory. Um, it's the kid who is playing with mud pies in the sand or something, or mud pies in the mud, and he's offered um, a vacation out by the ocean and just this, this grand vacation that's way better than making mud pies. And the point that Lewis was trying to make is that we are far too easily pleased. We'd rather play with mud pies. We'd rather stay at home and do our own thing when there's this rich relationship that's akin to the vacation that the kid could go on right at the door. Mitch, sorry. Yes, uh, to follow up on that, I've never, I have, I have felt reluctant to participate in sharpening sessions or fellowship opportunities. I've never regretted it, though. Mm -hmm. 
and and just the you, you know you realize afterward well i was going to stay home and just cook and eat my mud pie and, <laughs> and right. i'm glad i didn't mm-hmm. uh but yeah. what i was uh, starting to say was just basically uh the process of overcoming overcoming uh the compartmentalization that we've done as mm-hmm. uh just as a, in the society that we live in, like I said earlier, you know, this is family time and this is work time and this is this is spiritual time. When all three of those, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's so much nicer when you can accomplish all of them. Uh, they work better when they go hand in hand. Exactly, yes. and yes. to give and to give Jared some fuel to launch off into whatever he wants to talk about. It it all makes me think of that Jordan Peterson comment on the Sermon on the Mount when he arrives at the end of it and he says. Do you really have anything better to do than this? Mm-hmm. This is the best that you could possibly be. This is the epitome of a Christian. Do you have anything better to do? And if the answer is no, why would you do anything else? And that's, that's right. a question I've always asked myself with the relationships and the sharpening sessions. There's really nothing better to do tonight. This is the best thing to do tonight. It's not saying that, oh, I've got nothing better to do. It means there's nothing better that I could be doing right yes. now aside from saving yes. souls and you know and and that's a key or a tool we would like to use to incorporate that i think as we continue to go in our genuineness of being disciples of christ we would like to bring some people to the sharpening sessions now it would change the conversation some we would get into less theoretical i think to some degree because mm-hmm, yeah. the group of guys we have because we all don't think the same and we, we're not all going to agree it's a really good place for us to exercise ideas and to dig deep on some thoughts because if someone doesn't agree they're going to say so and we'll have a conversation about God's word with that but all of those things help us in our walk with God in our walk with one another in our outreach to the community around us and that idea that Jordan Peterson had on the sermon on the mount it is it is the highest good to which you can attain in this life and one thing I have learned throughout the pandemic, and, and I guess I knew it before, I just didn't accept it generally, is that you can't Christian alone. It, it just can't be done. Um, so much of what we see in the New Testament is written to a body of people. They're written to a congregation, written to a group of people, written to people that would read it 2,000 years down the road as a continuous body that belongs to God. Yeah, the idea used to be or you might have had the idea that it's hard to do it alone. And that's like, no, it's it's not hard. It's impossible. It is impossible. Yes. Yes. Um, so Ephesians 4 says, And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And that's a long reading longer than I normally do in one sitting on this podcast, but if if I could wrap up what we've talked about as we work on bringing this to a close this week, I think that hits it with what Mitch talked about with new converts being babes in Christ. And, and we are, when we come out of the world, 
we that have grown up in the church take so many things for granted. And we just expect people to learn it. And, and maybe we don't expressly say that. Maybe some people don't realize that's how we're coming across to people. But it happens that way, unintentionally. And, and not unlovingly. We just we don't realize it's happening. But every part of the body is necessary. You know, I know Mitch, having grown up a little more prickly and having that personality, has had a tendency to want to stand back a little bit and not interrupt what the group's got going on. But his contributions are invaluable to what we've got. It's just been such a catalyst to really move things forward. Um, Jackson's perspectives and how he grew up, and even though they were similar to what Mitch knew as a child, reacted to those things different. So it gives a different perspective, a different flavor for that conversation. And so each part adds, and we grow and edify and build each other up in love. I think uh, I, I agree agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. I guess I just I'd say one more uh, thing. Just I'm I'm really bad about giving analogies, and I probably do it more than I need to. But I've heard the the term: if you never give a child ice cream, he'll never want it. And that that's something that I think is true. But the other side of that is if you never went without ice cream, you never know what you're missing. And as a member, as the church members that are born and and, and uh, raised in the church, sometimes they take that derogatory, but it, it's just something that they've never been without. So it, they, it's so hard for them to actually understand what it's like to be without it. Yeah, that's and that's a good point. And I would um, ask Jackson, do you have any more thoughts as we wrap this thing up? Revelation 4.1, After this I looked and beheld a door that was opened in heaven. I'll name drop hard on this one, but Brother Truman Teal preached a lesson on that in 2004 at the Brotherhood meeting, and that was his opening. He just quoted the verse, and the whole lesson was on heaven, but that verse I've thought about a lot lately, and it, it paints a picture of a person just sitting down, and, and they see a door that's cracked open, and they see something behind that door, and John sees heaven. He sees a glimpse into heaven. We have seen a glimpse into the beautiful fellowship that the body was meant to have. Yes. We've seen a glimpse into that, and that cannot be put back into a box. Yes, sir. The door cannot be closed. It is forever open, and it's getting wider and wider in the sense of the fellowship. And, and I believe that we are on a trajectory to change the culture locally and I think across the brotherhood, too. I think it's, I think it's a change is coming because... Not that we are the first people to think about this, but you can tell that when it's experienced by people, even in our sharpening sessions, it's it's not a breath of fresh air. It's like a gale force wind mm-hmm. of fresh air. And that's not praising us or praising any ideas because honestly, everything that we've tried has been tried before. It's just a matter of consistency and tenacity. I think that's where people like Mitch are valuable because of that tenacity. Um, that's where people like Jared are, are valuable because of the knowledge and the insight. Um, I don't know where I play into it, but I know as long as I do the work, things are going to happen and they happen the way they're supposed to. I'll go ahead and say Jackson has been the facilitator. He kind of got this deal going. Mitch has opened his house and, and we've rotated it around. But um, the other part of that is we've held each other accountable to extending that personally to where we try to have other individuals into our homes with our families and we, we each go out from those get-togethers and, and try to individually increase that throughout the body. But 
Um, appreciate you guys' thoughts, and, and appreciate you guys if you've listened to this point. It's a little longer format than we normally do. I hope it's been beneficial to you. Um, I would challenge you as you go, and, and some of you guys are doing this already, and, and you're to be praised, and, and God be thanked for your heart in doing so. But go grow closer to your family at your local congregation. And, and with the technology that we have and we enjoy, that's really what got this Brother Cousins podcast started was Christopher Jeffrey and I deciding we wanted to talk more often. And from one of those talks, Christopher had this Brother Cousins idea, and it just sat with him until he kicked it off, and here we are, nine episodes in. So go grow closer to those people, especially in your local congregations. Use the technology. Reach out to brothers and sisters that maybe you haven't talked to or or you were close to before and aren't now. Um, If this episode has been beneficial to you, we ask that you give us a like, a subscribe, or share with a friend. If there's any comments or questions you have, leave them on our Facebook page or send us an email. Go to the contact section on our website. Thank you all for listening. God bless. Love you.